Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. So it says in the Gospel lesson in Luke chapter 2, And the angel said to them, Fear not. Fear not. Or maybe the way we would say it today is stop being afraid. Okay, so it wasn't something that they hadn't been doing. He says, now just don't be afraid. It's like they were already afraid, just like you and I would be if an angel stood in front of us. Okay, remember, real angels aren't precious moments angels. Okay, precious moments angels don't bring fear to anybody. But these always made the people who saw them afraid. Okay, so watch out. Here's an angel. And then the glory of the Lord shone around them. There's a lot going on here. They have reason to be afraid. And the angel says, stop. Stop being afraid. Now, you might say, that would be kind of impossible, right? How could I possibly stop? It reminds me of a time when there was a man from my congregation down in Bernie. And he had went to a, I've told you a lot of these stories I'm going to share tonight with you before. Sorry, it's recycle night. But the stories are always good. So, so. His name, well, it doesn't matter what his name is, but he was at a fast food restaurant and the bench he was sitting on broke and he went down and he broke the tailbone. Okay? Now, I can't tell you what that feels like because it's never happened to me, but as I was walking down the hall to go visit him, I heard screams coming out of his room. And all I could hear above the screams were all the family members saying, Relax! Relax! Just breathe! which is about as helpful as the angel saying, stop being afraid. It's like, it's time to freak out right now, and I'm going to do that. (laughs) However, they do stop being afraid. They actually go to Bethlehem to see this great thing that has happened. They actually go. They follow through. They listen to what the angel said, and they do it. Sometimes when I am scared, I'm just scared stiff. And I don't do anything. Some of you might be like that. Some of you, when you're scared, you might go instead to fighting back. And so you're active doing something. They were still able to listen in the midst of their fear, and they went to do. And I think that they were able to do that because of the words that were spoken. Listen to these words. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then later it says this, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So think of the two powerful words in there. The first one is the word joy. The next word is the word peace. Joy and peace. Joy and peace. Joy and peace. We have joy, which is that steadfast, ongoing, wonderful thing, not based on our happenings, but based on a greater truth. And peace, peace with God, therefore we can have peace with one another, because I can have peace inside. Does anybody come tonight where they're not really feeling much peace inside? Much peace inside. In other words, they don't have a lot of peace within themselves. That's kind of normal, right? As we go through life, things happen. We don't meet our expectations. Others don't meet our expectations, which causes us to think, is it something I did? And we struggle. 
Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, since we have been just as if I hadn't sinned, by faith we have peace with God. The place to start when you and I are struggling to live in peace isn't to start with ourselves, it's to start with our God. And when I know that God Almighty accepts me and loves me and calls me a member of his family and says about me the same thing he said about Jesus, then I start to live in peace. I was going to tell you the story at the end, but it just fits right now, I think, so I'm going to flip around the order a little bit. So I get really confused later, just let me finish, okay? Sometimes what we need is to have God's word actually really impact us. Because I think I have this ability, and I wonder if you also have this ability, where we can read God's word and go, "Uh uh-huh. So? So there's a man, um, might be Isaac Newton, might be the one. I can't remember for sure who it is. I'll tell you later when I find it, okay? But he came up with this little illustration. It goes like this. If I just, so I'm looking at Bill, and Bill is reading the newspaper, because you read the newspaper, don't you? He does, and it's like he really gets engrossed in the newspaper. So Bill is reading the newspaper, and I say, hey, Bill, did you know that there's a really big, hairy, ugly tarantula climbing up your sleeve towards your neck. And Bill, he's super engrossed, but he can still hear, okay? He says, yeah, okay. I said, did you hear me? Let me say say it one more time. There's a really big, hairy, ugly tarantula climbing up your sleeve to go to your neck. He's like, yeah, I heard. So I said, well, say it back to me. He says, There's a really big, hairy, ugly tarantula on my sleeve working its way to my neck. And he keeps reading. And then he drops the newspaper, jumps out of the chair, and said, there's a really big, hairy, ugly tarantula climbing up my sleeve on the way to my neck. Which one is the one where he got it? The last one, right? wasn't the first one, wasn't the intermediate one. It was the one where there was a response. I wonder in our lives if we've heard over and over and over again about Jesus, and it's kind of like, yeah. Years ago, there was a man here from one of the group homes. His name was Ray. And Pastor Harms was preaching about the resurrection and how Jesus died and he was raised again. And so Becky was signing to him. And Ray went, no way. And she went, yes. But no way. Yes. And back and forth they went. And finally, Ray looks around and says, well, what about them? In other words, does the truth of what God has done for us, does the joy that comes from Jesus, does the peace that we have in Jesus actually matter or not? Is it like the first tarantula sentence? Or the third one. You see, they heard what the angel said, but because there was the good news of the Savior which they were longing for, that good news 
like the news of the tarantula, controlled their behavior. So I want you to think about it. When's a time when you experienced something, some experience that controlled your behavior? Maybe it was the announcement of an illness. Whenever someone gets the news that they have cancer, does that control their behavior? Yes. How about this family I knew of that was about a mile from me when I was growing up? And they received news just during the year of their youngest daughter's senior year in high school that they were pregnant. That news tends to control your behavior. Okay? Maybe you know of people who've lost their employment as the season of Advent begins. When there's all these expectations financially, travels, all of that, and now the new pressure, how that impacts the behavior. For those that have impacted my behavior, I still remember when I was driving off and I saw that accident, the older couple crossing the highway about a quarter mile in front of me, and a light came from behind them, and there was a motorcycle, and the sun was right behind me, and the motorcycle hit him, and the man flew into the woman, and the man died right there shortly after he was taken in the ambulance. And while he laid there and his blood was black on the asphalt, I'll never forget that. Or the time when I was in the Grand Canyon, and I looked up, and it was nighttime, and you could... You know, you're looking up, step outside, look up, and you're like, yeah, there's a few stars up there. But at the Grand Canyon, you looked up, and I was like, that's what God meant when he said, your children will be like the stars in the sky. Who can count all those when you look at at the sky at the Grand Canyon? It's awesome. I still remember that time. It's a guitar story. Some of you have heard this a lot of times. But it always impacts me. It, It controls my behavior when I really dwell on it. When my wife and I, she had the acoustic electric guitar, kind of like the one she plays all the time, but it was shy. You remember how the story goes? It was a shy guitar, wouldn't play in front of people. So Saturday night, we're in Hutchinson, Minnesota, and we're playing, and it doesn't play, okay? I mean, it'll play regularly, but it won't go through the sound system. And so Sunday morning before the first service at church, she plays the guitar, and it's working just great. First service, doesn't work again. It's just a shy guitar, so we go into the little closet, and we just pray, what should we do about this? And as we get out of the closet, there's a great big man there, bigger than Bob, okay? The front Bob, not the second Bob, okay? So bigger than Bob, great big guy, okay? And so as this guy comes to us, he says, would you like a guitar to use for the second service? We say, that'd be great. So he gets us a Fender Stratocaster, a nice guitar, Okay? And so Pat uses that guitar, and it's just great for the second service. And after the service is over, he sees us and says, do you like the guitar? And we said, yeah, it was great. Thank you so much for letting us use it. And he says, do you want the guitar? And we said, we can't take that. You don't know us. You only met us once before, just last night. We can't take that. turned out to be a $750 guitar that he gave us. And we wouldn't take it. We just wouldn't take it, wouldn't take it, wouldn't take it. And eventually we had this huge man just about crying because he wouldn't receive his gift. I give you a hard time because I have a congregation filled with wonderful people who are great givers. But sometimes we really suck at being good receivers. 
So is your pastor. He got a lot better, though. I'm doing a lot better job of receiving over time. We took it. (laughs) And eventually we got it to another person who could really use it. Yeah. But isn't it interesting? How many times does God look at you and say, Receive my gift. Let it impact you. You have a new identity in me and what my son has done for you. It's yours, free to you. Cost me everything, but free to you. Please receive it. We say, nope, I'm not good enough. Didn't earn it. Don't deserve it. It's not for me. I can't be worthy of that. Yeah, like the rest of us. Right? Please receive the gift. Because when we receive the gift then we get to live in the joy and the peace that is ours in Jesus. When I choose to live outside of that, what I think I'm doing is I'm forgetting my God. Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah 51 says it this way. God says, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies or the son of man who is made like grass and have forgotten the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth? How many times do you and I forget the power, the presence, the Love and acceptance of our God who says to us promise after promise after promise, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Ask, seek, and knock, and I'll provide for you. How many times do we forget that? Lose sight of our God and live in fear. We all need a Savior, right? We all need that joy and that peace because we tend to forget the God. That's why it's so great that we do Advent every year so we can bring Jesus back around. Actually, if I'm not bringing Jesus back around every single Sunday, remember, get rid of me because you need Jesus every single Sunday, right? Every single day. Bring him back. And so that's what we get to do. We get to, I get to declare to you the good news of great joy that will be for all people. Guess who's part of all people? Let's all say that together. Me. Who's part of all people? Me. Who's part of all people? Me. For all the world. Stop being afraid. I've been reading a little book, and it's, I know that shocks you. Um, and it gave like five categories of, of this uh, fear. And one is extinction, the fear of being destroyed or no longer existing, our fear of death, like Hebrews chapter 2 talks about, which, for those of you who are curious, that's why I never jump out of an airplane. I have the fear of extinction. Okay? That should make sense, right? Okay? Then some of us have a fear of mutilation, the fear of bodily attack or invasion that causes loss of function, mobility, or integrity. This can include the fear of dogs, like John has, the fear of... Spiders and snakes, as well as a viral or bacterial infection. It can also include being afraid that someone or something will harm us. Another one is loss of autonomy, being controlled by someone or claustrophobia. 
separation, the fear of being separated from the herd. All of the people we know that are in junior high have that one big time. We want to be accepted, right? And then finally, the fear of ego death, that I will lose my sense of uh, integrity. I'll be humiliated. I'll uh, live in shame. Those are some pretty powerful fears. One that I deal with says this, the fear of man is a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. I've shared this with you before. I'll try and be an open book to you. The fear of man is a snare. The fear of, oh no, what will Sarah think of me is a snare. Oh no, what will Juana think of me? I've lived that way my whole life. Do you ever catch yourself living so much more for the approval of another person than for the glory of God? Fear of man. And what replaces that fear is perfect love. I would just like to run up and down the aisles and quick ask, do you know that your God is trustworthy? Do you trust the God whose perfect love for you casts out your fear? The perfect love of God sent his son Jesus to die for you. Take your death. Live your life. Even when you wrap your microphone around something else. It grabs you and says, my perfect love, not yours, my perfect love will never stop for you. Now, when I say that my perfect love, I'm talking about Jesus, right? My perfect love will never stop for you. I just have to ask, is that the first, second, or third tarantula line for you? Because if it's the first, you're going to continue being afraid. Right? What will it take for you to actually believe that when Jesus came to this earth, he came for the sole purpose of dying so you might be made completely righteous. And the perfection of Jesus, all the things he did right, has been credited to your account. So now when God comes to judge, when Jesus comes to judge, how will you look? Absolutely perfect. Right? Oh, let's change our language here real quick. We don't hope so like America. Jesus made a promise. He says that he became sin for us so that in him, as we've been baptized into him, as we trust him, imperfectly like we do, because he calls us sheep for a reason, we might become the righteousness of God. Which fills us with joy to the world. Right? And so when I'm living in that joy, so what is it that you're afraid of? I mean, I'm still going to choose to be afraid to jump out of an airplane. Sorry, that one's going to keep going on. 
Okay? But I want to fight day by day my fear of man. And I want to fight day by day my sadness as I remember who I am in Jesus. Isn't Advent the perfect time to remember what Jesus has done? What he's continuing to do? Is Jesus alive and working in your life today? Yeah, I mean, you're here. Aren't there like a hundred other things you could be doing in Austin, Texas tonight? Okay. There's at least a hundred channels you could be watching, so. (laughs) All way more entertaining than I'll ever be. Most of which will give you no hope. But Jesus says, I have joy for you because I'm providing for you a Savior who makes you new so we can say together, stop being afraid. Is there anybody here that has no fears? Zero? None? Never has fears? Okay, good. Then this message was for us. Amen?